everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the Modern Cotton Story, sponsored by E3 Sustainable Cotton from BASF. I'm Jennifer Crumpler, Fiber Development Manager from BASF and manager of our E3 Sustainable Cotton program. I'm joined today by my good friend, Bob Anishai. Say, so Bob, how are you doing today? Jennifer, I'm doing fine. Hope you are as well. Doing great. Doing great. Sitting here in the office watching it rain, but... Um, Hopefully we'll get through it. You know, it's been a few days of clouds and everything else. So eventually the sun's got to come out again one day. <laughs> so waiting on that. But um, I'm happy to introduce our guests today. Um, we've got Kyle Fontenot and Luke Etheridge. Um, and both Kyle and Luke are two agronomists that work at BASF and work in our cotton business very closely um, with our cotton farmers you know, really looking at and helping making some decisions on some, you know, sustainability issues and things that are going on, especially around um, cotton varieties, cotton breeding and things like that. So Kyle and Luke, how are you guys doing today? Sounds good. Uh, glad to be here again. Uh, so Kyle Fontenot, I'm a BASF regional agronomist uh, based in Louisiana. I cover Louisiana and South Arkansas. Um little bit of my background uh, I grew up in central southern part of Louisiana uh, heart of uh, Cajun country grew up in agriculture grew up on a farm uh, unlike many people in the cotton industry I did not grow up on a cotton farm uh, my first experience in cotton was in 2004 when I was uh, in college I spent a summer working for a crop consultant and fell in love with cotton from then on, I have not left the cotton field. I guess this would be my 17th crop. And what, what's great about cotton is that while uh, I feel like I've been in it a long time, I'm always learning something every year. And every time I step in a cotton field, it's always an ever-changing crop. And it's a challenge. Every year is different and every year is fun. Um, so, Luke, what have, you know, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So, I'm Luke Etheridge, uh, a regional agronomist for BASF. Um, for Fiber Max Stonebull and Credenz Soybeans. Um, a little bit about my, about my background is um, kind of very similar to you guys. I, I'm born and raised in Texas, um, up in the Panhandle. Um, probably too young to really understand what cotton really was up there, but there's a lot of it up there. But um, 1987, we moved back to the family ranch in the Texas Hill Country. And it was nothing but cows and mesquites and cactus. Um, when I went to college, I got introduced into row crop agricultural, you know, the science behind it. I started in 1998 with row crop agriculture um, and been in it ever since. Looked to try to get out of agriculture, but the people in agriculture have always kept me here and for the love of the people. Um, so I'm kind of the... Didn't grow up on a cotton farm either, um, but I'm like you guys. I started messing with this thing, and it's just, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. The plants, you know, the, the varieties, the industry, the people, um, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, Luke, for that. Uh, both of you really have uh, amazing backgrounds, and and uh, just find it so fascinating uh, to hear how you ultimately did end up in uh the cotton, uh, the cotton business, um, with your geographic regions that you manage right now. Uh, I don't know, Kyle, you said, uh, generally, uh, Louisiana and Luke, you're generally in Texas was wondering if you could 
talk to our listeners and talk a little more about your responsibilities um, in your particular uh, geographies? You know, some of the things you're responsible for? Kyle, you can start if you want. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Luke and I probably have some similar, very similar responsibilities, but he might have a different take on some things. But uh, so we, as agronomic services, we support our commercial brands of seed from BASF, which is our Stoneborn Fiber Max cotton and our Cardenas branded soybeans. So we, uh, our roles are, what, what's fun about them is we get kind of a little bit of a, every aspect of the industry and in that we get to do on the, we start on the research side where we work with our breeders and help bring uh, our elite lines, uh, cotton lines and soybean lines from our breeding program in those final steps before we go to market with them to where they're ready for sale to growers. Uh, and then once we get them to that stage, we support all the commercial lines that we sell of uh, Fiber Max and Stoneville uh, cotton varieties from a uh, uh, customer support and sales support role. We help growers manage, learn how to manage our cotton varieties. Uh, we help them learn how to deal with, you know, manage uh, different things, aspects of their farming operation. We provide some agronomic uh, expertise, develop best management practices. Uh, so we get a little bit of everything from research, uh, customer support, and sales support. You know, we're always, uh, somebody told me from the get-go you're always in sales when you're working for a seed company but it's more than just sales uh we we actually you know when we have a good relationship with a grower we're helping them make decisions and they're bouncing ideas off of us throughout the year across their whole form whether it's cotton some of the other crops they're working with sometimes it's not even our cotton varieties we're talking about and giving them recommendations for but that's some of the things that we do with our role so i cover i do that in Louisiana and South Arkansas, and in both Louisiana and South Arkansas is a similar crop makeup in that it's very diverse and that uh, a lot of our growers we work with, they're not 100% cotton growers. I would say uh, most of them are not, and they are, they'll grow a mix of cotton, corn, soybeans. Some of them have some rice. Uh, uh, there's a few that uh, dabble in sugar cane whenever you get to the southern part of my territory in Louisiana as well. So even Go ahead, Luke. Yeah, Bob, so... Um... Man, Kyle explains kind of my responsibilities probably a lot better than I do. I probably need to <laughs> probably re, re, need, need to do some redefining. Uh, but a couple of things, like from just from a geography standpoint, just to put some numbers and make it, you know, real. So I I cover about half the state of Texas, um, the eastern and the southern half, from basically the Red River um, to the Rio Grande, and then out um, basically kind of not all the way out to El Paso, but basically south of I-10 in Texas. So um, in that geography, right, it's about, you know, my best estimate is about 1.2 million acres of cotton and then about 80,000 acres of soybeans. So you can, you you know where I spend most of my time. Um, within that geography, which is, it's quite large when I figure out how many counties that are actually in there, um, but it sounds enormous. That, yeah, that sounds enormous, guys. Yeah, I I have probably I think I have probably six different micro environments where I where I have where cotton is grown, and so one of my you know my core responsibilities, um, not not to mention all those things that Kyle talked about, was evaluating 
uh, you know, potential commercial varieties of cotton in those six different micro environments just to make sure for product fit, product positioning, and ultimately, like Kyle said, help a grower. Um, at the end of the day, that's 100% my number one goal is to help a grower be successful. And that's, that's the only reason that I work hard and doing my job is because I'm working for those guys, right? If I don't do my job, um, then I can't help those guys. And so that, at the end of the day, um, that's really core to what I do. Um, I work closely with the breeders. Uh, I have a breeder in my backyard um, that we talk to, if not weekly, it might sometimes be daily, depending on the year. Um, just kind of bouncing ideas off him. What are you seeing? What's coming? You know, and so on and so forth. And then on the sales support side, it is it is 100% just product positioning and helping those guys make the best agronomic decisions on product placement um, so that those guys are, you know, farmers are successful. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Luke, you and Kyle both kind of said it at the end of the day, your job is really kind of, and I think all of us, and I feel that any of us that work in the cotton business, we really... Sure end of the day, we work to help our growers be successful. That's what we really want to do is just to make that, you know, help that American farmer be successful. Um, and what you guys are saying, whether it's cotton, soybeans, whatever. And, you know, I heard you both say, um, you know, the best management practices and managing it. And I think when we talk about sustainability. That's one thing I want to make sure our listeners understand is every one of our farmers, you know, they're, and I say this every time, they're the most sustainable, pe sustainable people I know. You know, when you think about farming, you think about land, that is a one thing they're not going to make any more of. Um, so our growers are working every day, 24 hours a day, every day of the year, figuring out how to make that soil better, make the land better, make their operation better. You know, what practices the best um, on that? So, you know, I, I really can tell the passion you guys have about that and just, um, you know, the overall ag industry. So I really appreciate what you guys both do. Um, and so, you know, I'd love to hear from you guys um, as we look at that current state of cotton. You know, I think all of us on the call right now, no matter what part of the U.S. we're in, we've had, um, as with everything else in 2020, like we've talked about earlier, we've all been affected, um, you know, whether it was COVID, whether it's been whatever it is, um, all of us, I think right now are affected by the weather somehow, um, you know, for us on a personal, you know, level, we have where we're located at recently had a hurricane um, and with the hurricane, you know, completely had a total loss of some personal things, um, you know, in a sailboat with a marina in some areas where we live at in the coast. So it's just really on a personal level been affected by some things. Um, and knowing that, you know, it'd be interesting to see how's the cotton looking, how's the weather affecting it, where it's growing. Um, you know, I think, well, you know, Kyle, not to put you on the spot again, but I guess we'll kind of start with you and, then we'll work our way out west to Luke. But when you look at, um, you know, kind of in that Delta area where you're at, Kyle, how is the cotton looking and what's that current state of it? Yeah, um, so we we did get affected by uh, Hurricane Laura in my area. Um, for the most part, I think in general, uh, the row crop agriculture is going to fare okay from the hurricane. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, but it's not, it, there is going to be some negative impact. So if we focus in on cotton specifically, most of the cotton, uh, in that area where it did get affected was starting to open up, uh, I would say anywhere from five to 
20, 30% open when the storm came through. And the initial problem was that the storm knocked a lot of the cotton down and it, the, the cotton was laying down and got all twisted up. And uh, that can be a problem uh, when it comes to uh, just in itself, when it comes to the foliation and harvest efficiency and talking about quality of the, of the lint at that point. And it would kind of hurt it a double whammy somewhat was while it was still laying down over the, la- the, the days following the storm, we had a, a fair amount of rainfall come in and very hot and humid weather. So when that brings in some disease pressure on some of our bowls um, and we affect, we had some bowl rot that started affecting. So it, I, it, while it sounds bad, it, it doesn't look as bad whenever you're out in the field evaluating it. Now what's causing more problems is what we kind of initially suspected is uh, the foliation is going to be uh, tricky. It's already an art. It's not a science cotton defoliation. And now it's, some of the some of our more experienced cotton defoliators, uh, some of these consultants and and guys that have been in the industry a long time, that we're really having to lean on them for their expertise on tricks of the trade, on how to get these leaves off and make it the cleanest possible crop as we can, and and still do it at a reasonable price. Defoliation is something you don't want to have to spend a lot of extra money on if you don't have to, but it's not something you can skim on either because uh, that's like the last leg before you get to harvest and you don't want to ruin a really good crop uh, with a, with a bad defoliation job. So we're having to kind of wade through that right now, but we've done a pretty good job. Uh, I've made a pretty good loop this week and last week looking at things. And I think our cotton harvest uh, is really going to get kicked off over the weekend, probably Monday of this coming week. Uh, and, and a lot of cotton out there. It looks like it's ready to harvest. And I'm anticipating a, a, a average to above average yields. I think we had a pretty good growing season, but I don't think it was exceptional by any means. There's going to be some uh, some really good yields, but I think there's going to be some cotton that's uh, guys going to be disappointed with. To do, I think, and you can blame a lot of it on some some high heat during during bloom where we had some poor pollination and it affected some of our uh, some of our lint production and that's going to affect some of our yield i think when we get down to it but we'll really know what it, what it looks like here in about uh, a week to 10 days two weeks from now we'll kind of really have an idea I, I did see a bunch of cotton uh bales on uh, modules on gin yards this week uh it's always fun to see that you know it's getting close to being that time of year uh there's cotton defoliant you can smell it a little bit in the air that's always anybody that grows up around or it works in cotton always kind of likes that smell just because you know it's uh it's getting to be that time of year and then woke up this morning they had a north wind blowing and it, <laughs> it, i don't think it's gonna break uh, 85 degrees today so that's we're, we're almost feels like fall and football weather. yeah it's awesome awesome um, but luke how are things looking down in texas well jennifer this is the tale of two different worlds i guess or two different environments you know like I, I talked about you know like six different micro environments so the diversity of, of the cotton that i that i get the opportunity to look at is really diverse and and i'll and i'll speak to maybe some of those micro environments um but you know we we typically start planting you know sometimes around valentine's day in the lower rio grande valley and it just kind of moves and works its way up in the northeast texas this year we we were dry when we started planting and um man we we started putting cotton seed in the ground 
I mean, basically south of I-10, all within the first week of March. And um, and we were digging for moisture, um, you know, planting it deep, trying to get it to moisture. Uh, there wasn't a lot in the forecast. And, um, boy, it we we got it. We got a good stand, some skippy stands in places. But, you know, we kept the stands we had, and we were rocking and rolling. And um, it just kept getting drier and drier. And we're like man, this is not going to make it. We're not going to make it this year. The irrigated crop in the valley, they were pouring the water to it. Um, and, you know, minus maybe that upper Gulf Coast had some really good planting conditions. Um, everybody started tough. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, we, we caught a rain and we caught it at the right time in that coastal bend, you know, in the Corpus area. And the crop really took off. And we progressed through the season great until July 25th hit and Hannah hit just south of Corpus um, as a category one hurricane. And it, when it, it's fine when it hits the coast, um, you know, it's the rain and the wind we worry about, especially that time of the year, because we were like right where Kyle and those guys were. Um, when Laura hit them, we were real close to defoliation, probably cotton was, you know, anywhere from 50 to 70% open, especially the early planting stuff. And um, man, we just were crossing our fingers and it blew in and blew south of us, and it just hung down in the valley. And the next couple of days, we just started getting pictures out of a little Rio Grande Valley with 18 to 20 inches on a really, really good irrigated cotton crop down there. And it went from it went from good to zero in that in that geography for me. Um, we almost lost probably lost 100% of the cotton. Um, I talked to a custom picker that picks a lot down there. He picked 300 acres before the storm, and he didn't go back. And so, um, but then you go up the coast where we skirted the hurricane and, um, when we started picking cotton, oh, probably a month ago in the coastal bend, it was just phenomenal. Um, three, three and a half bale dry land cotton, um, some, some hot spots, you know, two plus, you know, or two and a half plus bale cotton, um, you guys were having a fantastic year. Upper Gulf Coast, as we moved up the coast, you know, they skirted one, they skirted Laura that went over towards Kyle. And so they had a really good crop there, um, you know, in, a, in, in that environment. And then as I push up further north, um, we got dry late. We were wet north up there. I had a hard time getting all the corn planted up there because it's a big corn area. And so um, we finally got a little bit of cotton in up north. And um, it just turned off hot and dry up there. Um, so the crop, we haven't started really picking that crop yet because we've got some, some rain over the last two weeks up there that's kind of delayed harvest up there. Um, you know, but that's just a tough place to grow cotton in the Central Texas Blacklands and um, yet to see what, what comes out of there. So it's kind of it just depends on where you were from in my geography. Jennifer, Bob, it was, uh, you know, we did a, we had a home run in some areas. Um, you know, a zero in other areas. And so it's just it's just a testament to the resiliency of the guys in the cotton industry and the stuff that we face um, day in and day out. It's one day you don't know if you're going to make a crop. You get a timely rain and you turn around and you make one of the best crops you've ever grown. So that's where we were. That's an amazing story, Luke. Actually, it's really uh, in a nutshell that uh, really summarizes uh, what it what it's like to be a, a, a cotton farmer 
all, all the you know hurricanes, uh, hail, you name it, right? So um, yeah. pretty astounding stuff. Um, Kyle, I've, uh, uh, my colleagues down at Vidalia have uh, really had a kick out of uh, seeing uh, five acres of uh, Stoneville cotton growing in their front yard. And, um, and uh, thanks to you, uh, it's been well cared for. And, um, I, but, but we did have that hurricane. Yeah. I guess it was Laura that came through a couple of weeks back. Um, how did the uh, crop fail? Uh, uh, it didn't, uh, didn't fail, but how did it fare, I should say, uh, with all that weather? I think it's going to be okay. Uh, Laura had, uh, I would say, a minimal impact on it. Um, it had been through a lot this year. It was a, uh, it was quite a, it was a learning experience for me too. That getting that that five acres in, we took some ground that has not been in row crop production and tried to get it in row crop production. Worked real close there with the farmer, and uh, he did his best. We got it in pretty good shape. We uh, we ended up having a, a few issues with drainage and uh, some fertility issues that we we think we can we have a plan to get that worked out next year, but uh get it back get it in a little bit better shape than it was and, but all said that we've had some adverse weather we went through some dry periods went through some really wet periods went through a hurricane we're gonna we're gonna still make a cotton crop and produce some bales there right on the grounds of uh, vidalia mills of some e3 cotton bales so uh, i think overall that's a pretty good success uh in, in, for our first year out the gate what's most important though is the fact that the the cotton has grown in the front yard so it's a Pretty tough oh, uh, sustainability <laughs> story to beat. I'll tell you that. So it go, it goes about. Uh, it's about as it's by. about as sustainable as you can get. I think. That's right. I think so. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Precisely. And then just yeah. just moving the, up the, the road. So the furthest that, it's going to move is about twenty thousand miles, miles road to which is kind of typical for the usual piece of clothing. Um, <laughs> So, um, having said all that, which is, again, thank you, Um, with yours and Luke's geographies, um, you both had indicated, I guess, folks are, some are harvesting right now, some aren't yet, uh, or will be soon, I guess it just uh, depends on the uh, geography. Um, But along those lines, I'd also be interested in knowing, um, and I know our listeners would be too, what kind of sustainable farming practices have you seen adopted this year? by the farmers sustainable farming practices well i i think it's that's a, a an ongoing deal for growers they're they're chasing different things every year trying to improve you know when i think about sustainable sustainability practices with farmers i think a lot of it has to do with efficiency uh that, that's a big part of it for them and anytime they can make their operation more efficient uh whether it's going less trips across the field uh, conserving water, uh, not uh, conserving the amount of chemical they're having to use, limiting that. They're always looking for ways to to improve that, and because uh, that you know that that's a, means a couple things for them. It's better for their bottom dollar, their bottom line, which is important when they're dealing with tight margins in, in a row crop agriculture today. And two, they're in it for the long run. Most of them, these guys and want to make sure their land is. Uh, is is very environmentally sound and they're looking out for their environment around them and for not just for them but for generations to come they want to look to improve it so 
I've seen a lot of guys. One of the a couple of the big things that they're they're doing. Uh, we have a, in parts of Louisiana and South Arkansas is um, irrigation is is key, and a lot of what guys are getting better at uh, at irrigating and irrigating uh, more efficiently, and maybe in some cases not as often as uh, as they would be doing it historically. Uh, they're uh, using technology to do that such as uh, soil moisture meters um, to help them trigger uh, when they need to time irrigations another big big push is is i wouldn't say it's new but it's uh, a rebirth of cover crops in uh in louisiana and in arkansas guys are using winter cover crops to uh for a couple different reasons it's um they're adding uh they're, they're improving their overall soil health. Uh, they're using cover crops earlier on in the year uh, to help with weed control. Um, so a lot of different things there that they're doing. So I would say probably some of the bigger things that guys have been doing lately are cover crops and irrigation efficiency is some of the things. And fertility is always something they're trying to find ways to uh, improve the soil fertility and overall soil health more efficiently. We very similar to what, you know, Kyle and those guys are doing in Louisiana and Arkansas. Um, you know, water for us is probably the most yield-limiting factor that we deal with. Um, where we do have irrigation, um, guys are um, constantly looking at stewarding the use of that water um, from the standpoint of, you know, whether that's the lower Colorado River, you know, passing through, you know, Austin, Texas, and Houston pulling some water and just trying to be able to share the, the the water that we do have, you know, whether that's rice or whatever we need the water for from the ag standpoint, we're always looking for, you know, um, ways to, to, to manage that water to best utilize it. And in some cases, like Kyle said, it's maybe not watering that last time, you know, maybe not pushing that crop all the way to the end and saying, okay, I, I got enough, right? And um, so we do a lot of that. The other thing we do is uh, we stay in a really good rotation with, with grain, you know, cotton to grain, whether that's milo or whether that's corn. You know, guys have a tendency to want to steer towards commodity prices sometimes. Um, but from a sustainability standpoint, you know, it's like they need to stay in the rotation for their overall, for the longevity, for the long haul. You know, these guys are farming for the long haul. Um, and so they're trying to make long-term decisions. And a lot of that is I'm going to stay in that rotation. I'm not going to chase these commodity prices when cotton prices are down and grain prices are high. They still stay in that right mix um, be, to stay in that, that proper rotation. And then we look at tillage. Um, you know, I talked to a guy the other day that's done harvesting cotton, had a fantastic year, and it was dry after harvest. And he said, you know what, I'm going to start doing my strip tillage. And get it taken care of, let the soil mellow out, and he's already maintained his strips for next year. And so he doesn't really plan to touch that ground again until um, he probably puts a planter in it come March of next year. So those are some of the things. Um, just utilizing the resources, the guys really were watching their fertility this year, um, you know, from the standpoint of like what's in the ground to begin with, what I have at the end of the season, and did I use what I put in the ground.
and did, it, did I have any left over? A lot of times guys don't look at their fertility at the end of the season to see what they, you know, if they're putting too much. Or you can always tell when you're not putting enough because the crop will tell you. But these guys actually were figuring out if they're putting too much, you know, what's left at the end of the season. So that's something they're doing too. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I think it's always great to hear those things. And I think like we said before, these guys are constantly always – our growers are always thinking and, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how do we do better, you know, not this this year, but, you know, like you said, they've already got stuff planned for next year. So that's really exciting um, to hear. And um, like I said, I'm just always amazed when I hear everything that our farmers are doing and, um, you know, and especially Kyle and Luke, you know, how you guys are really working with them to be that advisor, a trusted advisor to really, you know, help them understand the best management practices for everything. So, um, but I think, well, thank you guys so much. And um, you know, as we talked about before, I'm just always amazed when I hear everything that our farmers are doing every day. You know, Kyle and Luke, I think you both kind of summed it up nicely when you talked about best management, best management practices, and it's exciting to always hear, and you know, especially what our growers are doing right now to prepare and the sustainability um, practices they're doing every day to be prepared and even doing stuff for next season. So, but that wraps up our time today. And Bob, Kyle, Luke, thank you guys all for joining us today. Um, I really enjoyed our chat and catching up and really hearing about the um, current state of cotton and what's happening in the field in September right now. But I'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us and hope you enjoyed our show. Should you have any questions about the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program, please email me at e3cotton at basf.com. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.